was quite easy to move a, a £3,000 fee into a £15,000 fee by incorporating bookkeeping into that offering. I think there's a number of drivers why uh, firms have got to stop and think about what the future looks like and what are the core service lines going forward. Um, we're already seeing huge commoditization of, of end-of-year accounting. Um, we've got uh, the banking sector uh, coming in um, uh, and, and beginning to provide tools, certainly for, for kind of the most micro of businesses that will let them have their bank account and their bookkeeping on one app. And we're not far off the point at which they give them the ability to file a tax return from within those platforms as well. Welcome to Humanize the Numbers, a series of podcasts with the leaders of accounting firms, firms building a firm of the future. Actually, they're building it or have built the firm of the future now. You'll hear key insights, key skills and habits that are underpinning the success of these firms now. Insights, skills and habits that can underpin the success, the future success of your firm too. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to Will Farnell of Farnell Clark in Norwich and Peter Jarman of PJ Co in Brighton. And we're going to be discussing and diving deep into what they do to ensure that they've got a process of daily or weekly bookkeeping that brings them closer to their clients, creates uh, a working environment that really works for their team and engages with their team in such a way that they've got high degrees of motivation and zeal for what the firm is doing. Uh, so let's dive into that uh, podcast interview with uh, Peter and Will now. for the invite having me on the call this morning. Uh, my name is Will Farnell. Uh, I set up a firm uh, back in 2007. Uh, we are Farnell Clark and we are based in uh, uh, in Norwich, Norfolk here in the UK. Um, we are about 50 people now, um, uh, two and a bit million revenue. Uh, we were probably one of the first 100% cloud practices globally back in 2009. Um, so we've kind of lived and breathed uh, tech uh, for 10, 11 years. It's played a big part of our growth, not necessarily all of it, but it certainly contributed to uh, to that. Um, and we've looked at how we combine people, process and technology to deliver really efficient services to our clients. Uh, I'm a very big advocate of, of daily bookkeeping. Um, so looking forward to getting into the conversation uh, with both of you today. Uh, and a couple of years ago, I wrote a book called The Digital Firm, which is intended to be a blueprint for uh, accounting firms and bookkeepers that are looking to use technology to change what they do and how they do it to deliver better experiences for clients. Brilliant. Thanks, Will. That's brilliant. Go on then, Peter, give us your background, would you? Hi, Paul. Yes, thank you for the invite. My name's uh, Peter Jarman. I uh, run an accounting practice called PJCO based in Brighton on the south coast of England. Uh, we're a two-partner, 20-employee uh, firm, uh, turnover around a million pounds, and uh, we haven't been in the cloud space as long as Will. Uh, we probably entered it about five or six years ago when we made a strategic decision to change the way our practice operated. Um, as a firm, we only use QuickBooks Online. We use one bit of cloud software and we're experimenting quite heavily with lots of business apps to help small business owners. 
In terms of bookkeeping, um, we're uh, working our way into that space. I wouldn't say we're as far as Will uh, in that, um, but we do see that uh, our future is having bookkeeping as one of the core services we offer to all small business uh, customers. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, if, if I give you my perspective and why I wanted you guys on the call, it's because um, over the last 18 years, I've worked with, exclusively with accounting firms, um, helping them improve their internal processes um, around accounts production, how best to work with their team to drive the fee level per team member, if you will, or profit per team member higher. And uh, I recently received a, a text message from a, a client that I've worked with over the years uh, to say that it, um, a small firm, sole practitioner, uh, turned over just last last financial year, turned over 545,000 and had just um, achieved a net profit of 260,000, uh, which was his best year ever. Uh, in terms of profit, and one of the uh, one of the reasons for that is the shift that he's taken his firm um, from old school bookkeeping towards more and more of his uh, clients being on daily or weekly uh, bookkeeping, and therefore making the process of generating a set of accounts much faster, much more efficient, and therefore much more profitable. Um, and, and and so for, for me, it seems as though that maybe there's um, there's a future in this. Uh, let's get the bookkeeping uh, <laughs> up to date on a regular basis. Um, maybe, just maybe. Genius. Uh, with those sorts of um, so, would you, um, uh, with that, with that perspective on on the future, what, what is it? What is it you think, or, or why is it you think uh, the the daily bookkeeping piece or the weekly bookkeeping piece is so important for the future of your firms? if not the profession. I want to start with you to begin with, Peter, because you're in the mix still, whereas um, Will looks as though he's uh, he's already got his master's degree in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, although you say weekly bookkeeping, daily bookkeeping, I think in the first place it's bookkeeping. I mean, most accountancy practices in the UK have always treated bookkeeping as a secondary product. Um, and I think um, it's becoming obvious that it's one of the key uh, products that we sell. Um, you know, I can. Um, I, I very quickly found out that it was quite easy to move a, a three thousand pound fee into a fifteen thousand pound fee by incorporating bookkeeping into that offering. Um, and the other thing about once once you've incorporated the bookkeeping into the offering, then you start to get an awful lot more touch points with the client. Um, you have a lot more conversations about how their business is doing. And you can actually start to build a better small business for them because of the number of touch points you have. Um, certainly, I find now with the clients where we have got um, weekly, um, to be fair, daily, and in some cases, instant bookkeeping. And I think, you know, in the end, I don't know, we'll probably agree, in the end, we'll get to uh, instant bookkeeping. Um, you know, we have a, an ice cream parlor where we've got instant bookkeeping on ice cream sales. Um, and, and that's made a, a real difference to the business owner there and also a real difference to us understanding how his business works. Um, and in doing that, we're much more able to offer lots of other products around around that business uh, and grow the fees. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think that the whole big bookkeeping space is a space that we should be looking at and trying to expand on. Yeah, I, I I I can't do anything other than agree with you, Peter. There's um, there's a firm I was speaking to last week, and they um, they have seen a profound uplift in the number of clients wanting their bookkeeping service. 
uh, over the last 12 months, really, uh, when they started to focus on it, um, partly because they're asking questions in terms of how the, the, the business owners, um, whether the business owners want up-to-date information as opposed to historical in- information that's, you know, two, two months, three months, nine, up to nine months, months old. Um, and they found it relatively easy. It's been like putting pushing an open door, really, with their clients to almost take over that bookkeeping element. And they've seen, okay, they don't quote 3,000 fee up to 15,000 pound <coughs> fee because dived into the uh, the bookkeeping piece, but they have seen a significant uplift in their um, uh, uh, scale of the fees with those clients. But like you say, the intimacy that they have with, with that particular client and their ability to help them. Uh, so I'm, I'm seeing exactly the same thing. What, what what are your views, thoughts on just that general bookkeeping piece, Will? Yeah, I think I think the start point is there's a, there's a mindset challenge, as as Peter alluded to. When I set the firm up in 2007, um, accountants uh, traditionally have the viewers of bookkeeping as being low value, uh, uh, low margin, if any margin, uh, to deliver it. It becomes too expensive for an accounting firm to deliver it, so clients won't buy it. Um, yeah. uh, and that and that's the start point. And and in fairness, that's the view I had in 2007. And we didn't do bookkeeping. It wasn't until kind of 2008, 2009, where we started to see what was possible with the technology we started to use. But even at that point, it wasn't until we started using Receipt Bank in 2011 that the penny finally dropped and we recognized how valuable um, that service line and how profitable that service line could be. Um, but in terms of the bigger the bigger picture, um, uh, I think there's a number of drivers why uh, firms have got to stop and think about what the future looks like and what are the core service lines going forward. Um, we're already seeing huge commoditization of, of end-of-year accounting. Um, we've got uh, the banking sector uh, coming in um, uh, and, and beginning to provide tools, certainly for, for kind of the most micro of businesses that will let them have their bank account and their bookkeeping on one app. And we're not far off the point at which they give them the ability to file a tax return from within those platforms as well. So we're seeing a huge amount of change, but I think more importantly is the culture and the uh, societal shift in terms of differing expectations. And Peter talked about um, client touch points. And when we talk about client touch points, we're talking about delivering better experience. And professional services can no longer sit there and say, we're professional services and people have got to pay us, they've got to do it. Um, uh, We have or clients and, and customers, however you want to position them, have choice. It's really easy for anybody to go onto Google and say, find me an accountant in Brighton or in Norwich. Um, mm-hmm. And what can we do to set our stall apart? What is it that we, we can do to demonstrate that we can deliver the kind of experiences that, that consumers are used to getting from the likes of, of, of Amazon and Apple? Um, and it's really easy to be better than another accountant, but that shouldn't be our benchmark. Um, so client experience is key. What do clients really want? For so long, accountants have sold what they think clients want rather than what they really want. Um, uh, and we have to have data. We have to understand uh, how how we support our clients. Um, and they need data to make decisions. Um, and, yeah. and the technology now lets us deliver that. It didn't before. So I'm not. This isn't a bash accountants that that haven't been doing this stuff. The technology. Um, if we look at uh, the fact that if you're doing 
bookkeeping on a regular basis. You've, you've got to have pre-accounting. You've got to have a general ledger in the cloud. So it's it's really only since Receipt Bank started to get any real penetration in 2013. So we're only talking seven years for a, a fairly slow reactive market to, to catch up. Um, but the technology is now there. There's a level playing field. Everybody can be as as uh, as efficient and as effective as us or, or Peter's firm because the technology is there for everybody to use. Yeah, so it's just that uh, cultural willingness to adopt it. Um, but I just want to pick up, you started that, uh, you started talking about the commoditization of annual accounts. Yeah. And yet the, the evidence I'm seeing across, on the grounds I work with a, a cross-section of what, 35, 40 firms, um, the, the, there's not much of an indication that there's yet that commoditization of, of annual accounts, but you're convinced that, um, that that's here now. I, I, I think there's there's greater price transparency, which generally leads to commoditization. Um, uh, so we've we've seen a shift over the last eight years or so um, of of kind of the, uh, the the guys that talk about pricing, talking about do you put your prices on your website, do you package, do you menu base? You you couldn't do this stuff until you had consistency in the way you delivered services. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but we're seeing more and more people we've we've flipped it again now and we've we've moved away again from having prices on websites we went to a period where we did um but we've kind of moved that to a point where we give indications of fee levels to, to kind of filter out um but as people can shop around and as you get people um uh, i mean we used to look at, at, at crunch as as and peter will know uh, crunch very well because they're on his doorstep um, but we used to we used to look at crunch as the, the the cost leadership strategy at 69 quid a month whatever it was in 2010 when we were kind of looking at what they were doing competing with them to a point um, yet now there's there's people out there pushing lower fees than that um, yeah. so there will there will be price sensitivity. Um, so, what do we? All of this about recognizing, uh, a, if not a commoditization already, a move towards commoditization. Yeah, it's that means that that we've got to get better at articulating what we do for somebody to pay a premium for what we deliver. Yes, and P- Peter, is that is that uh, is that what you're seeing around the ability to use Willsworth? That articulating of the value is easier or better or stronger with the bookkeeping piece than annual accounts in isolation. Is that what you're seeing or what's your views on that? I think that the the closer you can get to being the firm that the client, the customer really wants, uh, the easier the pricing question is. Certainly, uh, at the moment, I don't think we really find pressure on annual accounts. Um, I think if we're offering the right sorts of service and, and that's the whole package, you know, the right sorts of people to talking to the right sorts of clients at the right speed uh, with the right speed of reply and that sort of thing. If all of that's in place, I don't see that there is a real desire by the clients to push, uh, you know, make price the key indicator. Um, certainly uh, for, for most of our clients, I'm, I would hope and I seem to find that it's really them valuing what we're trying to do for them and then wanting to work with us. So um, I think price is, is uh, vital if it's a commodity, um, but we're not trying to really offer a commodity here. We're trying to offer a whole package, um, and that package includes people. Um, and, you know, people buy from people, don't they? Um, so um, I think that 
getting the people bit in it uh, eliminates a lot of the uh, the pricing issues. Um, yeah, it's that that that, that, that old analogy, analogy or of, of or, or reference point where you've got people and process. If you get the process right, and you know that's what this conversation is about as much as anything is. Can we get the process around bookkeeping right that enables the people value part of the delivery to be seen as, as genuinely valuable? Um, you know, I've I've, I've talked, uh, argued with the accounting profession for 18 years about the um, humanizing the numbers piece. You know, yes, accountants are the numbers experts, but what we've got to do is humanize those numbers so it means something to the business owner and assist their decision making, their confidence and certainty about the future. And in an environment where economic um, certainty is, is taking a bit of a hit in the last um, you know few months uh, that 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 confidence and certainty that an accountant can bring to the party through their services is is, is potentially massively valuable and it's interesting you know I, I know we've we've spoken uh, during the lockdown and I've spoken to I've had something like 200 and odd conversations with different firms over the last uh, 12 13 weeks uh, it seems that the whole profession has stepped up in terms of its closeness to their clients because it's been absolutely necessary. Um, however, there's two classes of business owner out there, one who've got access to relatively up-to-date data and those that haven't. And it's the ones who've got the, um, the, the up-to-date bookkeeping who can you know, use a Fluidly or a float or one of the other apps that enables them to see the future performance of the business, if you will, rather than just um, historically. So, do you want to give us a, a piece on, on on your on that that forward looking piece that bookkeep, bookkeeping enables? Will and um, yeah, I think before I do that, the, the, a point that uh, that you just made there about the uh, uh, cl- uh, firms talking to their clients more. Um, I think if there's anything that anyone can take from this kind of lockdown period, um, uh, I've spoken to lots of firms and, and we've talked about have you grown and, and all this kind of stuff. And they've said, uh, well, no, we haven't grown, but our clients have really appreciated all the stuff we've been we've been doing for them. Um, so we've built lots of goodwill. Um, and, and there's something in that because we're talking about um, uh, we, we're going to talk about daily bookkeeping and, and why we do it. Um, and one of the reasons that that I wanted to do it is it increases the number of client touch points. So it means that we're talking to 60% of our clients as a minimum once a week. Um, now, if, if firms are going to take anything from this lockdown period, it's that point that many of them will have said, we've created some really good goodwill with our clients during this period. And why have they done that? Because they've been talking to them every two weeks when the government have given an update. Um, so look at the effect talking to a client has. It doesn't have to be a uh, yet the furlough scheme's updated or you can go and get a bounce back loan. It's just a conversation. So look for reasons to have regular conversations with your clients, you will build client loyalty, you'll build um, uh, value in the relationship. So uh, that for me is probably the biggest single takeaway for firms from uh, what's been otherwise a fairly kind of intense uh, period of time. Yeah. Uh, well, is that, can I just interrupt there, so that you, you talk to your clients, 6% of your clients once a week, was that prior to lockdown? Uh, yes. Yeah. That's that's through the daily bookkeeping process because um, we're uh, in terms of the way we run our process is is we are uh, I wouldn't go as far as say we're doing bookkeeping daily but we're processing transactions daily 
So the way that our process works, our team come in, the first thing they do every morning is they clear their receipt bank transactions. Um, they, they have a block of clients they're looking after. Um, it might be 25 clients each. Uh, they'll clear the receipt bank transactions. They'll dive into zero. They'll do the bank reconciliation and move on to the next one. Um, and we, we average four minutes per day per client. Um, is is kind of the metrics that that we're working to now. That's an average. So uh, I was uh, I was doing a mentoring session with an accounting firm in our office about a year or so ago, and one of the team went out and got some lunch, uh, and they brought the lunch back in, and we were just talking about daily processing at that point in time. And this was one of our young apprentices. He was a nineteen year old lad, um, and I I asked him how many clients do you look after on a daily basis? He's like it's about twenty five. Uh, I said, normally, how long do you spend on your receipt bank and, and bank back every morning? He said, oh, normally it's about 45 minutes. Um, so you don't have to be an accountant to work out that 25 clients, 45 minutes is less than four minutes per day. Um, uh, but it's but it's an indicator of uh, of the way that the process we've adopted uh, uh, is, is a really efficient way to, to deal with that. So we do that every day. At the end of the week, we, we effectively go out to the client and say, Hey Fred, we've got uh, a bunch of of information missing to get your bookkeeping up to date for the week. Can you let us have these uh, these bits of paperwork? Um, uh, we'll encourage them to get them back to us on Monday. Um, so pretty much by Tuesday morning, the client's looking at an up to date set of records for for the week before. Um, but it's it's facilitating that conversation, um, and I always use the analogy going back to two thousand and seven when I first set up first person I recruited with somebody to do payroll um and it was it was in the days where most firms did annual payroll for directors because there was no rti um so you'd, you'd do it in march for the payroll um we would do payroll every month and we'd email a payslip every month um because it created a touch point um and what happened is clients would send a payslip and they'd email back and say yeah thanks on oh, what well, i think about it i've got this challenge um yeah. and we trigger and instigate conversations so so it's the um uh, an hour a day per team member covering off their client bank of 25 clients in terms of processing yeah. triggers a call once a week around any queries of stuff that's missing or yeah. or, or yeah. things they're uncertain about um, and therefore, the client's experiencing that weekly uh, weekly dialogue with Farnell Clark. What, what, what's your process around that, uh, Peter? Um, by the way, Will, I want to pick up on a couple of things um, yeah. on that in a second, but I just want to get to Peter's views on how his processes work similar to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that the starting point is you've got to think about bookkeeping. It isn't what it was. I mean, I'm sure Will doesn't do traditional bookkeeping anymore. Uh, the bookkeeping that you've got to do, we call smart bookkeeping, and uh, we get all of our uh, team to try and work out ways of actually getting that bookkeeping, getting that data into the systems and accurate quicker. Um, because I think that, you know, the starting point, why most accountants didn't want to be in bookkeeping is they didn't want to earn £25 an hour and pay someone 15 to do it. I mean, it just wasn't economic to do that. Um, and so I think the key is if you're going to do bookkeeping, you've got to do it really smartly. And to do it smartly, you've got to uh, do it a lot quicker. If you're earning £25 an hour or, say, £150 for a bookkeeping piece, but you can do it six times quicker, um, you can suddenly earn £150 an hour out of it. So it's very much a matter of using all those apps that are around, using the automation in those apps to get bookkeeping done 
quickly and smartly. And certainly, you know, the, the receipts bank bit, the auto entry bit, the, the rules in the in receipts bank and the, and the bank reconciliation, using all those things so that that four-minute um, look at the clients becomes vital. You get good data out of that. Um, so I think, you know, the very first point is think about what bookkeeping you're actually doing. And certainly yeah, exactly. we've, done, we've done that. We've really system change. Yeah. yeah, fundamental system change around that. So I, I get that. And then, and, and so uh, your processes internally, do they mirror what Will's doing in terms of that sort of daily ch- processing check-in? Or uh, how are you doing it, Peter? Yeah, I mean, we, we do uh, pretty much the same thing. I wouldn't say that every day we go into every client and check receipt bank and reconcile the bank. Um, but um, that will be done every week across the clients that we offer the bookkeeping package for. Um, and um, uh, uh, for some of them, we're still not at the point where we're offering all of those bookkeeping packages, and that might be done every month. Um, but um, I think I echo uh, Will's point there. You know, we all learned that by offering payroll monthly, by sending payslips to um uh, to customers monthly, it created an awful, it created twelve touch points instead of one. Um, certainly for our contractor clients, um, by sending them their payslips every month, uh, we eliminated the need to uh, compete with Crunch at sixty nine pounds an hour. We could we could charge an awful lot more than that uh, for similar sorts of uh, similar sorts of clients yeah. um, because we were having. Uh, conversations with them once a month uh, and they saw us as part of their overall wealth management package for all intents and purposes. Yeah, yeah. One, one, one of the messages that um, I, I, I felt like a the proverbial stuck record is that um, is one of what do, what do firms do to get to be part of a client's inner circle as opposed to just being a, a transactional uh, you know, part of their business? And as soon as you do things that put you in the client's inner circle so that they see you in their heart and their mind as important to their business, then um, A, price becomes less of an issue. Um, B, their openness to hearing what you're saying, um, you know, becomes more uh, relevant, more likely so that you can help them better. And part of that is the regularity of the contact with that you two are both talking about. Um, but I've just, I've just, I've just challenged myself here. There's a, there's one thing to have a, a call once a week, Will, or once a month, Peter, um, around their bookkeeping pieces. Um, well, that's not necessarily a deep conversation in terms of the decision making that that business owner's got to take on a week to week or month to month basis. How, how, how has this up to date bookkeeping, whether it be monthly, weekly, or daily, how's that influencing those deeper conversations that where the, the real value in the relationship with their accountant sits? I, I think that we, we can look at uh, the, the, the key buzzword of certainly the last five years. Um, uh, advisory, don't say, well, don't say, advisory. Don't say the A word, the A word <laughs> is out there. <coughs> um, and, uh, I'm going uh, to take, I'm going to And of course, uh, it, it's, it's been a buzzword because it's a great buzzword to sell software. Um, if, yeah. if we're really kind of candid about it. Um, yeah. but I mean, I, I'm, 
been around accounting as as long as perhaps you guys have um uh because i went into it late of course that's not anything to do with kind of age or, or anything else that's not, that's not late. Um, <laughs> but but i mean as long as i can remember accountants have called themselves accountants and business advisors so it's like what's what's changed so what's really changed that all of a sudden we've all got to stop being accountants and we've got to be advisors um so I've I've defined advisory when I talk to uh, uh, to, to audiences and, and my own firm, of course, uh, as advi- we will be doing advisory as a firm when every client we've got picks up the phone and asks every question we've got. Um, that's it. And how do we do that? We have really great relationships with our clients. Um, how do you get really great relationships with your clients? You talk to them regularly and you build a relationship. You build a relationship on trust and um, uh, uh, credibility and, and all of those other things. So so those weekly conversations are often, don't get me wrong, it might just be an email, but we are we are creating a conversation um, in some form keeps us front of mind for our clients. So when when they do have a problem, and I know this, we should be proactive and this is reactive, um, but if we're talking to our clients regularly, we're front of mind. So when they have a problem, they say, right, we're, we're going to call Final Clark and, and see what they think. Um, that opens the door to the conversation. But whilst we're talking about bookkeeping, in a lot of cases, the client will call back and say, yeah, I can't find that receipt. And you start to have a conversation, but we know we get to know what keeps our clients awake at night, <clears throat> what their challenges are, just because we're building really great relationships with them. Um, uh, and if you don't, yeah, if you don't going up naturally, right? Yeah, if you don't, if you don't have those conversations, if you talk to a client once a year, you're never going to have a relationship with that client. It's always going to be a commoditized service um, uh, because it's transactional. Uh, we've got to move away from from transactional relationships, um, uh, and and the way we do that is by working hard to build something that isn't a transactional relationship. And it comes it comes back fundamentally to simple things as well, like your business model. Um, mm. So the subscription model, um, <clears throat> which drives every other part of our life. So we subscribe to everything. Um, and our clients should be subscribing to our services. So uh, if you bill annually, you're creating a mindset of a, of a, a, a transactional service, um, whereas we want to be billing clients uh, a fixed monthly fee. It's a subscription. Um, it's there when they need it. Um, so it's, it's these other things that, that, that drive the perception of the client relationship. Yeah. <clears throat> So the, um, the the what you're saying is, I think, in summary, the, the the regularity of the contact every week drives the intimacy. The intimacy means that the client doesn't hesitate to pick up the phone or Zoom in order to um, have a conversation about something more fundamental than a missing receipt. It's just the um, um, uh, I'm trying to avoid uh, a, a, a metaphor, but it's it's hard to avoid it. In that, it, you know. I, I, Wedding anniversary, thirty-two years last week. How how did that happen? I don't know. I don't I really don't know. Um, all, all credit to Kate for sticking up with me. Um, the the prior to the wedding, there was lots of points of contact yes. that ultimately result in um, you know just normal life. And but then there's some big issues show up, and it's in the big issues where the depth of the relationship comes from. Um, at, at, at a really deep level, but you get deep just because there's a regularity there, I think is yes. what you're saying. 
Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I think you have to actually do this across the whole firm because if you're going to talk to all the clients every week uh, and it's just you talking to them, you're going to spend all day, 24 hours a day talking to every client and you're going to do nothing apart from talk to them. Yeah, so I think it's a matter of getting that, uh, getting that across the whole firm. Um, certainly, you know, we, we try to get every one of our members of staff to have conversations with every client. And a lot of that is, doesn't have to be deep tax or accounting issues or bookkeeping issues. It just has to be, you know, where are you going on holiday? Um, how's your dog getting on after visiting the vet? You know, how are your children at school? Um, it's all those things that um, bring out the the business problems. When you start to talk about uh, just general life with your with your clients, um, coming out from that, you get the business problem. You get the um, them at some stage saying to our, our, our you know our new trainee that knows nothing about um, putting a commercial property into a SaaS, but it comes. Oh, I'd really like to do something with my building, or I'd like to buy that building next door, uh, and then that message gets floated up to uh, to the right person within the organization peter on that one does that really uh, forgive my i haven't got feet on the street like you guys have so i i I have that helicopter view of all the firms that i work with um do you really get a a business owner who's been having a conversation with you know one of your team about the visit that the dogs taken to the vet then 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 later that results in um a conversation around uh, putting their you know buying a building and sticking it in their sass i think that's the easiest way to get to that point you know um if if you don't have those initial conversations you don't start to pick up on those things and uh, to be fair, I would say, uh, I don't know if you find this as well, Will, but often it's the, uh, you know, you could spit uh, sexist in there, but the wife of the business owner is the person that's chatting to our staff every day um, mm. or, or every week. And, and she's saying, you know, I really want to get my husband to buy that building next door. Um, or, you know, we keep looking at that building next door. And she might be saying this to the, uh, uh, the person that's processing the receipts bank receipts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that message will then get passed on to the, the portfolio manager or to myself or Kayvan um, to um, sort of react to that. So certainly I think that those sorts of messages do come through that way. And I think uh, now talking about people, because in the end, we're dealing with people's wealth. They might have businesses, uh, they might have successful businesses, but in the end, we're looking after their their themselves, their lifestyle, their families. That's where we finally end up yeah, yeah. with how, how well are we going to look after those people? Yeah, it's interesting that the, the marketers would say that um, would categorise accountants as um, a business-to-business organisation as opposed to a business-to-consumer organisation, when actually the reality is it's business-to-people, or yes. to your reference earlier, Peter, it's people-to-people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. Go on, Will. You wanted to respond to Peter there. I've got a question yeah, I, as well. I, I think that um, uh, it, it's absolutely right. I mean, when we look at, at the success that we have now with the way we deliver daily bookkeeping, we had the technology since 2011, um, mm. but it didn't work as well uh, in 2011 as it does now. And the reason for that is that it's it's also about the structure and it's about the process and it's about the right people. Um, so it's you've got to get the balance right in the triangle of people, process, and technology. Um, and I think the big thing for for us that that was our breakthrough was the structure um, in terms of of how we structured our client management teams, um, uh, and and that 
that's been the breakthrough. That's been the key um, uh, in terms of making sure that that we're having regular contacts with clients, but it's the same people having those conversations. And as Peter says, if if Peter or I were going to try and have that conversation with every client, uh, we've got 600 business clients, 600 limited company clients. Um, there is no way I could talk to 600 limited company clients uh, once a week. It just would not work. So we have to, one of the challenges for certainly smaller practice owners is is letting go uh, and the fear of letting go of that control and letting other people do some of this stuff. Um, yeah. But it's fundamentally critical, and I'm sure Peter will, will, will share that that view. Well, is how, to, how do we put the controls in place to make sure that we can let a 19-year-old apprentice loose on our clients? Yeah, there's that. There, there is that nervousness for sure. Well, uh, about um, you know the that silo of the the relationships mine. It's not yours. I know you work with me, but it's mine. <laughs> but actually, you know, this is about us serving our clients. You guys serving your clients, and you can't you like you say, Peter. You'd be on the phone or Zoom all day, every day, twenty four seven. If you were to have uh, weekly conversations with every client in your client bank. And therefore, there is little choice if you're serious about having that weekly rhythm to the relationship piece, but to uh, delegate that away to the team, build a process that supports that. I, you use the word control, Will. I'm not sure you mean control, do you? Just it's a confidence in the processes. Yes. Is that a better way of looking at it? Yes. Yeah, good. Good. That's the shortest answer Will's given so far. <laughs> <laughs> He hasn't grown up controlled yet. That's the trouble. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Um, but if I can, just on, on that people front, uh, Peter, so we've got, um, and, and you're mentioning young people as well, Will, so we bring these young people into the practice, uh, any, anybody in the practice, and they're um, focused on that daily uh, bookkeeping uh, or daily processing weekly bookkeeping up-to-date weekly conversation with client. Um, and then the husband brings up the fact that he's interested in buying an extension on the you know ne- the, the building next door for example or the wife has mentioned that as well um do you really have process in place that ensures that every one of those opportunities gets flagged further up the pipe for a more meaningful conversation with the business owner well our route to do that is relatively simple um we we um reward our portfolio managers our client portfolio managers based on uh, the income that they create, uh, the income that they run in the first place, and then the extra income that they create. Um, It's very much part of their bonus package. So it's in their interests to spot these opportunities, uh, bring them to us, and and create extra fees out of of that um, because they have a a much nicer Christmas with a much bigger bonus uh, so that's in the back of their mind all the time. We're setting them targets of their annual fees, and um, that's the the ongoing bookkeeping and account. Okay. Uh, but also, you know, how much how much extra extra can you work out of that portfolio? Uh, where can you find extra fees? Uh, and you know, spotting those real opportunities that are fees that we wouldn't have spotted. Mm. That uh, we really um, you know praise our employees over. You know, when someone finds something like that you know the opportunity to put a SAS in place uh, where they wouldn't have normally thought about it and it wouldn't have come up in a conversation that you know the partners would have had with those clients at any stage um, that we would re- reward very well 
Oh, okay, there's just two things there. I want to pick up. Forgive me, Peter, for saying it this way, please. Uh, so you've opted for the bribery approach. Yeah. So you've, <laughs> is that right? So you've gone for let's bribe our team to spot the opportunity. <laughs> however, however, you've you've balanced that with um, the recognition in a public setting for actually spotting an opportunity as well. Is that right? Yeah, I think you know, a bribery is is uh, um, you know it's a bit too uh, hard a word to say. <laughs> to be fair, uh, you know, a lot of it is interesting stuff. Yeah, suddenly you know if you can get the portfolio manager with a problem that they haven't had before and they find it interesting, it makes their job that much more interesting. It expands their career because you know everyone that we've got here, you know we've got them for a while, um, yeah. and the time that we've got them, all we're trying to do is improve their careers. So not only for us when they spot an opportunity for that, uh, those sorts of things, it's for them as well. That's improving their overall knowledge. It's improving their career development. Um, so um, I think bribery is slightly too hard a word. I, I, it's career progression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, I, I accept it. it is too harsh a word. Um, uh, there's, uh, it, it's, uh, the, the reason I'm challenging it is because there's that you, we want our people to do a good job because they want to do a good job as opposed to wanting to do a good job because they're getting paid more for doing the good job. There's yeah. a, it's, it's a subtle but important difference. Yeah. And I think if, if well, because the, the, the reason I'm challenging it is I've seen many firms try to put in incentive processes, incentive programs for their team, right. and, and they've either backfired or they've, they've not worked well. One of the reasons, one of the primary reasons I think they don't work well is because they see them as working in isolation from a, no, let's recognize the fact that actually someone's flanked up, that this building needs to be bought and stuck into a SaaS and there's an opportunity there uh, to, to help the client. And, and that's happening on a, there's a process around that, which is flagging up the fact that those opportunities have been mentioned this week. So I'm, I'm now curious as to what's going on in the firm, your firm, Peter, your firm, Will, that actually flags up from those bookkeeping conversations, those other opportunities, what process have you got in place that's actually filtering those opportunities up the pipe? Will, do you want to answer yeah. that first? Um, so I think, again, this comes back to the structure. Uh, so we have <clears throat> we operate what we call pods. Um, uh, each pod, um, uh, now <clears throat> I'm going to give you the, 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 the version that was working three months ago because my team have changed it a bit um, and I'm not quite sure what the new bit looks like. Um, but historically what we had is a team of four, a client manager, senior, two trainees. Um, uh, that pod looks after 250K of revenue um, in terms of recurring revenue, um, uh, uh, running at about 60% uh, uh, GP. Um, and they manage a portfolio of clients ranging from 80 to 120, depending on, on the mix of clients they've got in, in that pod. Yeah. Um, uh, so the manager is responsible for, for, for pretty much everything to do with that, with that client. Um, uh, and they sit on a bank of desks together when they're in the office and not choosing to work from home or imposed working from home. Um, but stuff gets fed through because they work in a very close-knit team. Um, uh, so 
people hear the conversations and uh, 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 if if a client says there's a there's a challenge or an issue then they'll talk to uh, to the manager uh, who will pick it up and either filter it to our specialist tax teams um, filter it up to to the director team um, uh, or they will deal with it themselves because they're all capable qualified um, uh, uh, and, and, and good client managers yeah. All right, so, so you got the, the juniors having those weekly conversations because the pod's so close knit. Yeah, they get those conversations get flagged up, and the opportunities get spotted by definition across yeah. the structure. Some people would say we run a series of siloed firms within our firm, but I, I, I don't, I don't buy that. Um, it's actually just a very, very effective way to structure and scale an accounting firm because well, I, all we do yeah. is we bolt on a new pod. Um, uh, and, and if we, if we have the right culture that our managers, um, uh, enjoy what they do, they enjoy the, the environment, the culture that, that we have, um, then hopefully that would, they're, they're going to stay and, and not have a reason to, to want to go anywhere else. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd argue in, in that, in, in favor of that, Will, on, on the grounds that the structure's supporting a high quality relationship with the client mm-hmm. and therefore the structure's right. If the structure doesn't support a high quality relationship with the client, the structure's wrong. It's 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 never going to deliver the value that the client actually wants from their accounting firm. Um, uh, uh, Peter, what what are your thoughts on that? How how does how do you actually what process or structures have you got in place yeah. to filter them? Well, strangely, we also have pods, um, right. called pods as well. <laughs> uh, our pods are pods of two people. Um, so we have a manager, and we have a uh, a new graduate trainee. Um, and our aim within those pods of two people is that that graduate trainee becomes a, a portfolio manager within two and a half years. So um, we're almost from day one trying to show these people how to manage clients. And as part of that, from day one, uh, th- those trainees are talking to the clients as if they're going to be their manager in two years' time. You know, they've joined our firm because they want to be a portfolio manager in two and a half years' time. Yeah. That's our yeah. selling point. That's why we can get them to come and join us. Uh, yeah. That's why we can get good quality people to come and join us. Yeah. Um, and and so they're already bought into the fact that they want to uh, they want to run a, a portfolio of small business owners' affairs. Um, and as part of that, they want to learn, they want to understand what they're doing. So they're going to keep asking questions. Mm. Um, and, um, certainly we don't blame anyone at any stage in our pods. If anyone gets anything wrong, if anyone gets anything wrong within those pods, says the wrong thing, does the wrong thing. There's only in the end, one person to blame. And that's me, um, for not having the right system in place to control, uh, that error. Um, yeah. And so I think experimenting and allowing people to experiment all the time um, is the route to getting to ask these questions, um, not having any fear of asking the questions, um, not having any fear about um, chatting to a client, as I say, about their their pet or their holiday or their job yeah, yeah, calling. Yeah. You know, th- those things um, are all part of what we offer that, um, because they're going to be the things that draw out those questions. Um, yeah. I think that's that's the key in there. Yeah, yeah. That uh, you know, removing fear from making a mistake. Therefore, people are willing to test, measure, ask a question they otherwise wouldn't have done. And if that, within the right structure within the pod, uh, means that naturally, like will those those um, those opportunities are going to be flagged up, aren't they? Yeah. 
Yeah, very good, very good. So um, interesting that you know this this conversation was meant to be about weekly or daily bookkeeping, and uh, we spent most of the time so far on that relationship piece, which is where the value <laughs> equation. Yes. Hey, I'll, that's, I'll, that's probably I'll, why we're doing daily bookkeeping. It's for the relationship. Isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's, and it's, and I mean, on that point, I mean, I think the biggest change that's got to happen, and and uh, there's there's a couple of, of interesting things that that have, have happened in in the, the profession over uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, particularly focused around the seat bank who have uh, uh, acquired uh, Xavier Analytics. Um, uh, for those that don't know, Xavier Analytics is is very much about um, reviewing and checking the quality of your your general ledger data. Um, uh, so it's a perfect uh, marriage with Receipt Bank. Uh, really yeah, exciting yeah. there, um, yeah, and equally at the same time, Receipt Bank have, have entered a partnership with uh, with Futurely. Um, uh, I, I I think it's it's kind of a bit more of a of a, a marketing partnership. Um, they're they're looking at integrations and and things, but it's both of them are focused on the importance of of. They talk about real time data. I have a real problem with real time data because right now we can't deliver real time uh, as much as we'd like to. Because real time, in its true definition, is exactly that, um, and our data isn't real time. It's it's kind of live accounting data, um, but it's not it's not real time. Uh, but the conversation is about the importance of real time. Um, and uh, I've watched a couple of the webinars that these guys have, have done talk about what they're doing. Um, and the big thing for me is that. Uh, it's all great, but what we've got to do is change the mindset of the firm owners to recognize the importance of, of more update data. Um, and to do that, we've got to shift from a point of seeing real-time data as an add-on service to delivering some form of, of, of up-to-date data as a default service. And that's the point. So how do we do that? How do we get accounting firms to say what most of our clients buy from us is this when they have a conversation with a new prospect um, and start the conversation with the thing that is going to deliver most value to the client uh, rather than this view that we'll sell what we think the client wants, which is end-year accounts without actually having a conversation. And then the client says, well, can you do bookkeeping? Well, yeah, we could do some bookkeeping for you as well. And this is this is the impact. Let's start with with what we really want to deliver, which should can I, be... Can I, can I, can I just dive into that a little bit? I, my, my, my background's manufacturing. I was, a, you know, I ran a production company making furniture for a, a long time before I started working with accountants. And um, one of the, um, the 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 big buzzwords in the world of production is just in time. So all all your supplies turn up just in time, just just when you need them. So the frames, the springs, and the cushions would show up the same day or the day before we needed to make that piece of furniture. And if you could make it that way, you'd have low stocks and you'd have a really clean, efficient production model. Um, and if it didn't work, all hell, all hell broke loose because you couldn't, you couldn't make anything. Uh, so I had quite a few of those scares and um, and, and lost profit weeks. But hey, um, we, we learned how to build that model. And um, the business, I just wonder if there's, and I'm, I'm asking for this to be challenged actually, is the information that business owners want, uh, it needs to be just in time. So when they need to make a big decision, they've got just in time information. Or is it that they need data that's up-to-date, accurate, every hour of every day of every week 
They're not making the big decisions every hour of every day of every week, are they? No, but often we don't know when they need to make the big decisions. So let's let's look at COVID as an example. There were millions of small businesses that needed to make an immediate decision and needed to provide their bank with immediate data. Um, uh, We were fine. So most of our clients, if they wanted management accounts, they had them up to last week. Um, uh, so no problem. We don't know when this stuff comes. Um, and, and I know there's, there's lots of debate about whether we should be doing weekly bookkeeping, let alone daily, um, and, and monthly is enough. But what happens, um, uh, if you've got a problem on the, the, the 30th of the month? The likelihood is your data's 30 days out of date because you haven't got to month end and you haven't reconciled your bank account. Um, so at that point in time, you can't you can't make that immediate decision. You've got to wait for somebody to get the data up to date. Um, this is a point we don't know. I, I, it doesn't need to be up to date every minute because we know we understand materiality and and like if if it's the seventh of the month and we've got data up to the thirty first, that's that's probably fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peter, what are your yeah, thoughts? I think, I think the, the question is saying, you know, we do bookkeeping is far, far too simple. You know, uh, bookkeeping has, is an enormous subject when you start to get into it. Um, so saying, oh, yeah, we're an accountancy firm and we do bookkeeping, uh, that could mean that we're just going to record down your bank account. We're going to um, analyse your expenses. Um, I think it's a matter of building that system in the background of what bookkeeping you actually do. You know, do we start, you know, we can actually, if you take it, into the bigger picture, we can start with helping you with your purchase ordering. Um, or could we help you with your purchasing? Um, you know, could we help you find the right prices for purchasing? Could we help you at purchase order stage? Could we help you at deliver, matching deliveries and purchase orders? Could we help you matching deliveries, purchase orders and purchase invoices into yeah. receipts bank, into your bookkeeping system? And similarly with the sales side, you know, do we start at um, the, the till um, the example I gave you earlier, do we start at the till and the exact sales you're selling each minute? Um, do we start the bookkeeping element at that point mm. and, and sell forwards from there or, or offer services forwards from there? I think bookkeeping <clears> is such a big subject that um, you, there, and there's so many arms to it that you can really go off in all kinds of different directions with the clients. Um, and, and a lot of the clients don't realize, you know, so many of my small business clients, um, you know, don't even realize there could be a purchase ordering system that could uh, make sure that they were uh, definitely having the right stuff delivered to the right building site at the right time at the right price. Uh, you know, and it's getting down to those sorts of conversations with the business owners. So they don't, I think a lot of them don't even know what they want in the first place. And it's for us to build a system of bookkeeping that um, tells them, uh, you know, these are all the options and there are hundreds of different options within bookkeeping for, for yeah, services yeah, yeah. to be offered. But you've got you've got to bring that daily or weekly perspective, though, to that, Peter, haven't you, for, yeah. for that? Yeah, well, at each, each stage you go down that, it gets closer and closer to daily. It gets closer and closer to real time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, I was watching a, um, a, a Hinge webinar from the States uh, a little while back, and, and they shared a slide, uh, and, and it was it was uh, on the on the on the y-axis it was the degree of uncertainty a business owner's experiencing or an accountancy firm's experiencing and on on the is that the y-axis and on the x-axis there was the uh, regularity of the reporting and basically it was just graphing is as uncertainty goes up 
the regularity of the information, the measurements, the KPIs, the reporting needs to be more frequent. And it's you know, and, and you know, we, as, as we you know, as we've experienced in in uh, the COVID nineteen piece and in the economic uncertainty ahead, there's a very very strong argument that um, uh, you guys are already doing it. This, you know, this this podcast, this webinar is about um, encouraging the the profession to get to a place where actually the regular rhythm, this daily or weekly rhythm, is what's going to drive. New habits, you know my piece, if ever I go on stage, I'm talking about, it's it's not just about knowledge, it's about new skill, implementing skill, but skills that I've got to turn into habits. Habits don't show up every month or every quarter or every year, they show up every day or every week. And, and what you guys are talking about is you've got that habitual rhythm that's, uh, and so have your clients, have got a rhythm, a habit of inter- interacting with you and your team. Um, which I think, which is why I wanted you on the call because I, I, I was very aware of that, uh, the, 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 that, that regularity. But I, I just I want to steer this to how how do we actually get um, clients into daily bookkeeping? What is because and what are the difficulties and hurdles? Now, Will, you've taken your business all the way there, so I'm going to come to you second. I want to start with Peter, who's still in the mix in terms of moving, albeit Will, you'll be moving new clients from a, a space where they're not doing that to where they are doing that. So we'll, we'll, fo- we'll, we'll focus on that with you. But uh, Peter, what, 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 how do you do it? How are you, how are you taking an ex- a long-standing client and getting them to a place where they say yes to, let's get you up to date every week or up to date every week? But uh, I suppose if we go for, go for the easiest ones, let's go for the ones that have got poor bookkeeping. Um, and uh, they're the easiest ones. They're the easiest ones. The ones that have got poor bookkeeping generally know that they're poor bookkeepers, and right. generally they're poor bookkeepers because they don't like doing it. Um, all we have to persuade them to do is let us take over, uh, take over that bookkeeping. Now, given that they don't like it, um, the only thing that we have to do in that um, example is to show them the value of them not doing that, not having that problem of, you know, finding all their receipts in the van and um, getting them in the house and then recording them down on on QuickBooks. Um, We have to take away that problem from them um, and present our solution to them in a way that they'll um, accept, they'll see as valuable. Mm. Um, And um, certainly what we found works quite well is to say, right, you know, we're not going to take over your bookkeeping now, but what we're going to do is a real bookkeeping cleanup for you. You know, this is going to be getting those records you've got up to something that you can actually use. Your sales ledger will be something that you can use to chase your debts. Your purchase ledger you will be able to use to pay people from. Um, and we'll do a bookkeeping cleanup for you. You know, you've run your business for 10 years. It's a complete mess in the background. Um, there's a couple of thousand pounds and we will sort out all those messes. Um, yeah, sorting out those those messes is quite a good thing for our trainees to learn to do. Um, yeah. um, and uh, getting them into let's get that bookkeeping cleanup done. Let's agree on a price of it. You're not going to be committed any further, but you're going to have some nice clean books in a month's time. Um, getting that work done um, sort of works, especially at the moment where um, actually a lot of our clients are flush with cash. Um, They've got bounce back loans. They haven't paid their VAT. uh, They haven't got to pay their self-assessment. They've probably got more money in their bank account than any other time. And they've probably got more money to think about their business than any other time. Mm. Um, And so if we can get them 
nice and clean to go forwards when they do bounce back yeah. with a nice clean uh, set of books. Um, they're going to uh, you know feel in a better position to run their business going forwards. So bookkeeping cleanup for us at the moment is really quite an important um, stage to get the clients into. Are you seeing clients saying yes to that cleanup yeah, offer? Yeah, that cleanup offer they're saying yes to, not only our clients, but um, other, other uh, accountants' clients as well. Um, um, and, um, you know, that's quite a, 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 a as uh, it just seems that a lot of other accountants will leave that alone. They won't want to go, you know, for yeah. us, it's, it's only about QuickBooks, to be fair. But a lot of other accountants won't want to go into QuickBooks and clean up those records. Um, but we'll gladly do that. And in doing that, we're then very quickly able to show the business owner, this is what your records would look like if they were up to date. You, know, you can now rely on your sales ledger. Uh, we can put something like Satago or Chaser on your sales ledger to chase your debts now because yeah. the records are accurate. Um, and, and that one-off bit of work, um, the, the client sees as a one-off, let's get up to date. As soon as that's happened, pretty quickly, they say, actually, I don't want to do this bookkeeping bit. I realize that you're the experts in it. Well, I'm not. I'll give yeah. the whole thing to you now. Yeah, and then yeah. you've got the repeatable work going forwards. Um, you've also created the value bit in it. Um, and so you're not pr uh, providing cheap bookkeeping at all. You know, yes. You're providing uh, specialist bookkeeping at the end of the day uh, at the right smart. sorts of prices because you've eliminated, eliminated a real worry for the business owner. So yeah, for us, good. bookkeeping cleanup is, is a key bit of um, – this period while um, business owners have got enough time to think about their, their businesses with a view to selling those services going on forwards. And whether that's a prospect or an existing client. Yeah. And, and as I say, prospects, it's, it's happening uh, probably more often with prospects than it is with existing clients. It's a brilliant Trojan horse strategy. If you'll excuse the military, but you know, there's a Trojan horse, you, 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 you're wheeling this horse in, which is sort their bookkeeping out. And then all of a sudden they start to see, you know, the, 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 the possibilities in terms of you taking the difficulties and pain away. Um, fab. Um, just one last thing then, Peter, on that is, what, what are the most difficult clients to shift then? Uh, what do you mean, the shift uh, from? Into daily or weekly bookkeeping. Um, is it the ones who think they're good at it, but they're not? Yeah, I suppose uh, the ones that, yeah, the ones that want to keep control of it, even though they're not, they're probably the hardest. Um, uh yeah, it's the people that have set up in the background their own little internal systems on Excel spreadsheets or <laughs> um, bits of paper in the background or other things that well, they we'll won't see. let go of um, yeah. and they won't believe um, the records will show them the right information. Um, they're probably the hardest to shift. Uh, right. So how have you shifted those then, Will? If you shifted uh, everybody, uh, we, uh, we 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 haven't. So the first point is that we're we're running about sixty percent of our clients. We're doing we're doing bookkeeping for um, uh, some do do their own, uh, and that's fine as long as they follow our process. So if we've got somebody keeping stuff on spreadsheets, we wouldn't take them on as a client in the first place. Um, uh, so that that's that's part one is that that we we have a process we dictate that process to our clients i think this is a really important thing for for accountants um they they've got to own the process and and yeah peter and i i think both agree that in an ideal world we should own the end-to-end -end process which is the bookkeeping through to to the tax work and beyond um mm -hmm. 
Uh, but if we can't own all the process, we're going to dictate the process that the client follows for the bit that we're not we're not owning and we're not delivering. Um, so that's that's kind of the easy bit. Um, then I think it goes back to what I said at the beginning. When we take on a new client, our start point is these are the services that most of our clients buy. Um, and we will price that as a start point. Uh, and if uh, uh, it's too much, then we'll we'll start to talk about what we take out of the proposal and what they do themselves. Um, mm. And as long as that stays within the realms of our process, then then that's okay. Yes. Um, uh, so that that's kind of the 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 the, the key piece. Um, uh, really, but I mean, we we we've certainly had the conversation on a number of times now. And we haven't done it yet, but we're edging ever closer. Uh, in that, do we stop taking on clients that won't let us do the bookkeeping? Um, right. Uh, and I will we get there? We might do. We might get to that point um, uh, where that's a decision that that we take. I mean, our our most profitable work now is full outsource finance functions. I mean, Pete talked about fifteen grand fees. Um, uh, I think our, our biggest is is about fifty k a year. Um, uh, for for running an outsourced outsourced finance function, um, I mean that's that's kind of uh, uh, audit type money, and we always decided we didn't want to be auditors because it's a bit yeah. dull anyway. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, it, it always creates a challenge in terms of your average fee numbers because an audit kind of pushes pushes that up. Um, yeah. But now we're getting that doing the stuff that we do really really well, and, and yeah, we yeah. enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you're saying there, well, is actually you, you if if clients if a business owner won't won't follow your processes, you won't take them on as a client, and therefore uh, the uh, and, and there's there's two possibilities here is they use your bookkeeping service daily, weekly, yeah. or yeah. they do their own thing, but they follow your rules. Yes. They play your game. Yeah. And if they won't play your game, you won't work with them. End no. of story. No. Um, but. You, I, I know from other conversations we had, you've still got a high-growth firm, even with those limitations on the sort of clients you could win. Right. Uh, That's not a limitation on the clients you can win, though, if it will. I mean, I think that just uh, directs you directly towards the clients you can win. I don't see you – know, yes. us as a firm, we only deal with QuickBooks uh, clients. That's not a limitation. It just makes it much, much easier for us to spot the clients that we will work best with um and there are you know there's plenty enough uh clients out there for for me oh, and for will together yeah 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 <laughs> well, well peter it's the um you know i, I, I worked with for years with uh, rob walsh at clear vision and, and one thing i learned from rob um more than anything is that it's it's not who you choose to work with it's who you choose not to work with that actually influences the success of your business yeah. and what you guys are saying is we've worked out who not to work with yeah yeah <laughs> and and, that, and it's it, it, so you're saying exactly the same thing that Rob was saying, um, and I, I, and I think that's right. Uh, so to finish, to wrap up, then what what are your thoughts on um, what's going to happen with making tax digital and the fact that actually quarter reporting is going to be an absolute necessity? Um, what what are your what what's your thinking? Because obviously, you know, daily weekly bookkeeping is going to facilitate that. Um, if you take an annual perspective, you uh, you're going to be in dire straits as a firm. If you've got an annual rhythm and an annual view on the service you deliver, and making tax digital comes like a train, you're going to be in real difficulties. What are your thoughts on, you know, the, the relevance of that to the future of the profession and the way you're working? Because you're already future proofed in that one. What are your thoughts? 
Peter, yeah, I mean, making tax digital was a little bit of a catalyst to get the uh, the cloud accounting, the receipts bank bit working. Um, but um, it wasn't the key thing. I think um, the key thing was uh, accountants actually going out to clients and saying, we can do this for you. Mm-hmm. And the clients saying, well, actually, we're quite interested in that. Uh, making tax digital was the legal bit in the background that says, you know, this is happening no matter what. Yeah, uh, yeah, but um, once we started talking to clients, it became apparent that you know a lot of what was being offered by digitalization of the accounting systems and and the business apps around it uh, was actually what they wanted in the first place. Um, and MTD was just a, a a little bit of legislation in the background that was forcing yeah, yeah. them a little bit further down the road. Um, whether MTD happens quickly or slowly. I think that enough business clients have seen that actually having uh, integrated business apps and cloud accounting and their business operations that all working seamlessly in the cloud um, is a big, big advantage for, you know, a smaller micro business owner uh, yeah. to compete with big businesses. Yeah, yeah. So MTD is it's to some degree an irrelevance it will force a few people further down the line a little bit further but you know as soon as you see the advantage as a small business owner you're going to have a better business so, so what you're saying is actually client appetite is a much much bigger driver than anything to do with government interference yeah and i think you know, if you if you also looked at the, the clients that are resisting mtd they're probably the clients that we don't want anyway um again you know choosing the right ones yeah, yeah fair <laughs> Will, yeah. your thoughts? Um, uh, yes, I think I think MTD had the potential to be uh, a great opportunity for firms, but unfortunately, the government kind of backed down a little bit and uh, said, "Oh, no spreadsheets, that'll be fine." Um, uh, it's going to happen. Uh, it's not going to happen quickly, um, but I think we've got to get to the point where firms start to look at making change because it's the right thing to do, and not because legislation dictates it. Um, my view is we're still only at 20% adoption uh, in terms of, of, of using cloud accounting tools um, uh, in the profession in the UK. Um, uh, 34,000 firms in, in the UK, um, uh, so 7,000 firms or so are, are kind of doing, doing stuff and doing it um, uh, to at least 60% maybe of its, its, its capacity. Um, uh, but it means there's, there's 80% and lots of thousands of firms that, that are still not, not kind of adopting this stuff, uh, which means it's pointless having a conversation with them about daily or weekly bookkeeping because they haven't got the technology, let alone the process and the people to do it. Um, So we want firms to do it because it's the right thing to do, because it creates more client touch points, it increases client experience um, uh, and helps them build a, uh, a firm that is going to meet the needs of a new generation of business owners. And, and fundamentally, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, millennials and Gen Z um, who just want to do things differently. Um, yes. uh, and, and firms have, have got to adapt and, and deliver what that generation of, of, of clients really, really yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fabulous. It, it, it strikes me that you know, we set out to have this conversation about daily, weekly bookkeeping, about the numbers, the detail of, which we've talked about, and uh, there's been some valuable insights there. But actually, ultimately, what's that? what that's proven is that this you know, humanising the numbers. So we want to talk about bookkeeping, the numbers. 
we spent as much talking about the humanity of the way we work with our team as well as the humanity of the way we work with our clients as we have talking about the way we manage the processes and structures around the numbers. And ultimately, it is that um, the, the humanity of the profession which actually delivers the value to uh, someone's career in your firm, to take your point, Peter, uh, uh, or, or and to uh, facilitate and assist the decision-making business owners are taking because there's that fundamental strength of a relationship that's come from that daily or weekly rhythm that's almost been driven, if not absolutely has been driven by that um, that weekly interaction because of that daily slash weekly bookkeeping piece. Um, so last comment then. Tell me what's been what's today have been of most value for you on this uh, on, on in this discussion, Peter? And then we'll come to you. Rob. For me, it's uh, seeing where we could take our, our bookkeeping um, function next. Obviously, I think Will's, you know, we haven't got 60% of our clients on our weekly bookkeeping. It's how we get uh, towards that or how we get towards 100% of our clients on weekly yeah, yeah. Uh, bookkeeping. Um, you know, I think that is the next stage of our our process. But I think we've still got some more systems issues in the background to really decide what what bookkeeping is, you know, and, and also how we're going to make uh, ourselves real experts in it. I, I think um, it's a shame we didn't have uh, Peter from Australia there because I think uh, bookkeeping in Australia is a regulated activity, as I understand it, mm. um, uh, like accountancy um, and, you know, having uh, that sort of qualification in it to um, uh, um, improve the, the standards of it, um, uh, and also improve the the knowledge base of, of bookkeeping um, mm. is key. Brilliant. So, is it the fact that today it set you a bit of a target as opposed to showing you the route map, or do you feel as though you've actually got an indication as to what you do next, Peter? Yeah, I think it, it's uh, giving me an indication of where we need to go to next. It's giving me a spark of idea of what we need to do next. Uh, right, that's yeah. that's the key to it, really. All right, smash it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And Will, what's what's that have been of most value to you on this uh, dis- in this discussion? I think every time I have an opportunity to to kind of talk about uh, these these topics, it it, it reinforces uh, the the clarity around the fact that we 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 are absolutely doing the right thing. Um, right. It's, ne- it's never it's never perfect. We we uh, we we strive for perfection, though we're never going to achieve it. Um, uh, but it's about how do we continue to to innovate? How do we uh, how do we continue to make more of those those client touch points? We've got this great opportunity with client touch points. How do we how do we utilize it? And I think um, uh, on the A word. Uh, again, um, during this this kind of COVID lockdown period, I think for the first time ever, every member of my team from juniors right the way through have it's finally clicked what it is because for the first time ever, um, they've had clients call them and ask them about something that isn't related to the VAT return or the end of year accounts. Um, so this this kind of awareness. So these conversations just help me kind of start to think about well, where where do we go next? What do we do that 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 is constant innovating? Um, yes. Uh, and 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 how do we how do we further enhance the experiences our clients get? Brilliant. For for, for me, the uh, most valuable piece is actually almost as we've uh, finished is the fact that the client appetite for this regularity of contact and regularity of up-to-date real-time data um, is is there. 
it's 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 not uh, it's not a ghost it's not it, it, okay some clients it's there some clients it's not there i get that you know and the, we've got to choose which ones we're going to work with um and then if they've got that appetite they're not going to be resistant to that weekly contact and fundamentally behind the value equation of every accounting firm is the regularity of contacts i've been arguing that for 18 years but all of a sudden firms are taking note and then the last you know, COVID-19 lockdown piece, everyone realised that actually, I, I can't tell you how many firms going, oh, I'm making all these calls with clients, I can't get any real work done. No, 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 you got it wrong. The real work. <laughs> and, um, you know, what, what you guys have just confirmed is, uh, outside of COVID-19 lockdown, the real work of accountancy is the relationship work. Yeah. And yeah. The, the, the everything else facilitates that. Um, and I like your your piece, Will, about, you know, the default service. I think it was you, Will. The default service is the bookkeeping. And if we have to, we'll take it out. But if we're taking it out, you've got to do things in a certain way. Otherwise, we won't work with you. I think it's great positioning that. Guys, really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Um, it was a shame we didn't get Peter from Australia. And I'll, I'll interview him separately. And I will share that with you, of course. Um, uh, I, I from the heart of my bottom or the bottom of my heart, I'm not sure which way around that one works, but uh, thank you very much for your uh, your time and your energy as we, uh, uh, I think, have uh, hopefully shared some really valuable information with the profession when they get to access it. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Cheers. Take care, everyone. Guys, thank you. You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders, managers, and owners of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Work Papers, Advanced Track, Citago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.